Relationships rule. That's my motto. I'm Janice Porter, and I love to share the power of relationship marketing to help grow and impact business. I've grown my business by building and nurturing relationships, and I'd like to help you do the same. Welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast, where connection means everything. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Relationships Rule. Um, my guest today is coming from sunny California, and I'm very excited to talk to her. Her name is Kara Steinman, and Kara and I were introduced through LinkedIn, through um, a uh, podcast agency, and often I'm not super impressed when that happens, but I got an inkling when I saw what Kara was all about, and I know you're going to love it because she thinks just the way I do. So first of all, welcome to the show, Kara. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, my pleasure. So tell my audience, please, what you do, what your thing is, what you're all about. And they'll know right away that why I said what I said. My jam. You want to know my jam? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I help women entrepreneurs build relationships, preferably professional relationships that make it easier for them to do business. So strategic relationships. And And how do you do that? Um, I do one-to-one -one consulting. I help women figure out who they are so they can align with the right people and that sort of thing. But I primarily build communities online that help women come together and build really deep, meaningful relationships that keep them well-connected. Yeah, which is like music to my ears because one of the things I saw in the information that was sent to me about you was that um, you believe that... Um, Funnels are not necessary. Relationships are. That's a different way than you said it, but it's essentially the same thing. And, and I couldn't agree more. And so, you know, we've been in a, in a society lately where everything's online. And so everyone thinks that we have to have these funnels to bring in business. Talk to me about that myth in your eyes. Um, gosh, I think that that it's really easy to feel like we can write some content and put it out there in this funnel and that we won't have to do anything. We won't have to actually interact, but our words and our content and all of these things, all of these things that we put out there, they are, they're reflecting us and they are going to build the relationships that we will eventually probably have in person. Yeah. And so, so it's not like, it's not as passive as we would like to think it is. Um, and at one point I really liked I really liked inbound marketing, the idea of inbound because you weren't, it wasn't pushy. It was very magnetic and we could put our stuff out there and just wait for people to want us and not have to engage in any way until, until they got there. But I think that we're at a time when trust is so scarce and people are lonely and we, visibility relies on us having allies. It relies on us having deep, meaningful connections that somebody wants to promote you through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that requires investing in other people. Making the time to do that requires being invested in other people. And do you notice that, and I, I couldn't agree more, and do you notice that, um, that there's still, that you have to actually teach or train certain people that, that in building relationships, you really do need to focus on showing an interest in the other person. I, I believe that we still have to teach that to some people because for different reasons, like either they're nervous or they're, they're unsure. So they start to talk about themselves or they don't know what kind of questions to ask, or they're just not comfortable. 
and with that with that process but it does work yeah i think you're you're absolutely right there's a couple of things going on there too you're probably right about the nervousness people but there's this business idea in business that we have to be businessy that we can't talk about personal stuff. There's that kind of line that we've drawn. And I don't like it. I don't like that line at all because the people that I want to wreck, I work with people I like. And in order to know someone to get to like them, I have to know more about them than just the service they provide. Yes. So I I actually, when I'm working with LinkedIn clients, um, building their profile with them, I talk about um, trying to in, not trying, but about infusing some subtle little things into their profile about their their personal habits or their hobbies or their interests or some things that they do when they're not working so that I can tell or they can tell if somebody has actually read their profile, if they find that little thing that maybe they're a um, uh, an avid hiker or they play soccer in their spare time or whatever, or they, they, you know, or a movie buff or whatever it is that maybe someone looking at their profile ha- um, connects to as a starting point to build rapport. Those are the best kinds of things to find out. And yet I will say now you're, you're younger than I am and, and your generation tends to put out um, more personal things on the other platforms as well. Um, I, I have a hard time doing that. So there's that, there is that fine line for me, but I find with LinkedIn, I can make it work. And, um, and people pay attention. If they pay attention, it makes for better um, starting points for relationships, I think. Yeah. And I think being true to who you are, that, you know, you being less comfortable with the really personal open stuff in business, that's, who you are and how you operate. And you're going to be more comfortable working with clients who are more aligned with that level of openness, but some people, and this could be a temperament thing. There's, you know, the ocean, ocean test, personality test that looks at openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. These four traits. I know that one. Yeah. Okay. Ocean. That one, the, the extra, the openness trait that might, might correlate with how people act online. Um, And so, open people are going to have an easier time working with other open people. And that's not to say you can't work with people who are different than you, but understanding that they're different from you is, is different than like really, you know, when you meet somebody and you just click, it's mm-hmm. usually because you've got something in common in that way, in the way you operate. Right. Right. Exactly. So how do you, do you do any training with your community or do you just allow them to, you know, uh, or do you, um, encourage uh, them getting together or do you uh, have events online or in person to to have people network? I built the community. I structured it so that we would be in a container that felt very safe and the guidelines explicitly say we are in a we're in a safe container where we need to be vulnerable if we're going to get to know each other. And so I I do come right out and say that, but then we have connection calls and mastermind calls that are all very intimate and comfortable. And, um, and I really connect, I can, I try really hard to connect with each new member one-on-one at least once to help them get connected with other people who are alike to them Mm -hmm. so that they start building that network quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have, we have a, the way that it's structured is structured is very casual and, we have very intimate conversations in there about things other than work. 
Ah, okay. Like family. And we have a channel called ADHD all day where the neurodivergent people are talking about challenges in life and work and family. And then I just launched um, a purpose play shop inside the community, which is a daily prompt to help us build emotional intelligence, self-awareness and creative confidence. Mm, interesting. Okay. So you have um, a framework that, and I think that's probably part of what you were just talking about that you are maybe not that you use to generate referrals. Um, and do you, so do you teach that in your community? I do. Yeah. I teach Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I call it the radical referrals roadmap. And part of that is because the acronym is rad. R-A-D. And part of it is because it's kind of a radical concept to prioritize relationships in business. That's not where we go with it naturally. It's very transactional, but I think it works really better if we're relational with it. And mm -hmm. so the the three parts of the framework are, R stands for remember. We have to remember who we are, especially as women, we've been conditioned away from a lot of our natural tendencies. And we we maybe compromise our values to be parents and work in certain situations. So we have to remember who we are so that because and there's a great quote by Brene Brown. She says, our ability to connect with other people is only as great as our ability to connect with ourselves. So the next step in the framework is to align. So we have to remember who we are, and then we can align with the right people. And this is about values. A lot of it is about values. And you, talk, you talked about putting little kind of Easter eggs in your LinkedIn content, maybe on your website that, that hint at who you are and what you care about. And you can do that really easily with language. And I'm sure you do. That's what you do with your clients. Probably, you know, I, you can put pictures of yourself on there too, but you can also say things like you can use the words connection and freedom and whatever. Those are part of my values. So use those. And then once you're aligned with those people, that's just not enough. I think a lot of people stop right there mm -hmm. and they stop with like meeting people and connecting with people. And they end up with this giant Rolodex that doesn't really benefit them because they haven't gone to the last part, which is D and that's to deepen the relationship. And it's iterative. It goes around and around because we're we're people and we evolve and we learn about ourselves. So we're constantly doing all three of these things in in the with the hope that we build a really strong strategic network of people that we enjoy spending time with and and connecting with. And that's where we get visibility from. And that's also how we build our referral network. Yes. Yeah. Think yeah. about the word referrals. It just means someone's referring referring to you or referring you. They're talking about you behind your back and mm -hmm. what they're saying is going to determine how somebody views you. So your visibility depends on what people are saying about you behind your back. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting way to, to, to say it. Um, I, I find that, um, uh, that refer that, that referring people or being a connector and referring bringing people together as part of your network. I think that is really what I love to do. But when I do it, um, and I don't know if you do this in your network, maybe um, that you want to protect the people that are your, that you already have that know, like, and trust with that are already, you've gone deep enough with that, that there's that trust factor that before you bring that new person and say, Hey, I want you two to get together. You make sure that you have permission from the, your person that's already in your community before you bring somebody else into them. So you ask them. So you're meeting this new person, either in person or uh, online, and you're, and you're looking for a way to support them because you like what you've seen and heard so far, but you're not there yet. 
So you might want to maybe offer something of your own, but you also know they're looking for help with whatever. So you know someone who can help them. But before you connect them, you check with the other person. How yeah, do you- I do that. Okay. I, if if I meet somebody outside of the community and this wasn't intentional. I think this is just how it ended up working out for me. If I'm connecting someone from inside the Ravel community mm-hmm. to someone outside the Ravel community, I get both parties consent. Mm-hmm. If I'm connecting new members to or existing members who've been there for a while to someone else inside the community, other members inside the community, I don't. I just make a direct connection inside the DMs in the sure. community because they're everybody's operating with the same assumption that that if I'm introducing you, there's a reason for it. Or if you're, you know, there should, there's just a feeling. And I, I talk a lot about that too, because I don't have to have a reason sometimes why two people should meet. You just know, you just right? know these, I don't know why you guys need to know yeah. each other. I just feel like you do. And I've had people introduce me before by saying that. And it cracks me up because it's always, it often, more often than not ends up being an amazing relationship, Yeah, but they couldn't really say why. And that's okay. Yeah. I love that too. Exactly. Um, so tell me how you got into all this. What's your background? What, how did you come to be that entrepreneur that's doing all of this and building a community? I, I came into entrepreneurship because I'm completely unemployable. <laughs> if you look at my strengths profile and my Colby MO and all of these, you know, tests, personality yeah. tests and objective ways to look at ourselves, I am not a person who is easily fits in a box with a description that I keep doing over and over again. So a lot of it is I tried to work for other people and it just didn't work. And so I went out on my own and I did a lot of content writing for a long time and a lot of content strategy. And I was drawn to that, I think, because of the strategy part. Uh, But there's also a lot of project management and there's a repetitive nature in content when you're executing on a strategy over and over again. And that does not align with me very well. So I ended up going through kind of a meltdown during COVID and had to stop working with clients doing retainer work like that because it was really, really draining to me. And I had to figure out what I am good at. And that required looking at my core values and my personality and my, like I said, strengths and the Colby MO and all of these tools to kind of objectively say, well, what should I be doing? If I, what am I doing without even being able to help it? And someone pointed out to me that I had always worked on referrals for the first 10 years of my content marketing and strategy career, I didn't even have a website because I was networking and building relationships that were strategic, but I didn't realize I was doing it. So, so the Ravel Collective came to be because I was during COVID, I kind of started embracing that again. And I started connecting with all kinds of people. Like once you turn the fire on something you're good at, it kind of gets a little crazy. And so I was Mm -hmm. meeting all these women online and I couldn't keep track of them and I wanted them to meet each other, but it was really time consuming making email introductions to everybody. So I just said, you guys, come on, let's all just get in the same plate. Let's come in this community. Let's all network with one another. And then one of the members asked me, but how does it work? Like she asked me to kind of deconstruct the way that I operate. And so that was where the framework came from was just sort of a reverse engineering of how I naturally operate. If you've been listening to me for a while, you probably know that I love to talk about LinkedIn. So now I'm curious, are you ready to take your LinkedIn to the next level? Because if you are, I've got the perfect opportunity for you. As a valued podcast listener, I'm offering you a one month free trial to the LinkedIn Advantage program. It's your chance to join the community of like-minded professionals and immerse yourself in a space designed for learning, networking, and growing your business, and a lot of LinkedIn as well. Don't miss out. If you're ready to go from listener to participant, 
take advantage of this free trial by visiting podcastadvantage.janisporter.com today. That's podcastadvantage.janisporter.com. Join us and we'll see you in the group. Interesting. So I'm curious, when you were in school, were you an athlete? I played intramurals, but I was an out. I did martial arts outside of school. I was okay. not a okay. Team. So you did individual sports. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's why, um, uh, yeah. Like I, I think there's different skills that come from individual sports, obviously, to team sports, and I think it makes a huge difference. So you were very independent in lots of ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, very collaborative too. I did end of individual sports, but I didn't like. I was never very competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's more of a, too, right? I see. Pardon? It. What's that? I see guitars behind you. You play music. Yeah. Or... I learned to play the piano when I was growing up and then I just picked up the guitar last year and started right. playing, Nice, um, which was sort of a bucket list item for me because I had, I had learned to play the ukulele in fourth grade and I raised my hand to ask for a left-handed ukulele and the teacher, I am. Are you? Yes. Yay. Fellow lefties. (laughs) My husband's left-handed too, but our son is right-handed. So we like to joke that two wrongs make a right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I, uh, I find left-handed people. I I was at a bridge table last week. We play bridge and, and three out of the four of us were left-handed. That is so unusual. Yeah, it is. The most, my family, like I have uncle an uncle who was very ambidextrous and my mother was ambidextrous and my one daughter's very ambidextrous she played a lot of sports and she can like bat or hit it with a golf club either way you know (laughs) so but nobody's left-handed and my little granddaughter is a little bit ambidextrous but mostly right-handed but yeah no left I'm told it's 50 percent ish genetic and the other part is just what you like environmental maybe I don't know that that could be true because Back in the old days, you know, they used to beat it out of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so sad to, to hear that. Anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I interrupted you because I got excited. Oh, I had well, and this this kind of goes to like the belief systems and the things that layer on top of who we are, right? Like when I melted down during COVID, I I realized I didn't really know who I was anymore because of a lot of the messages that I had gotten about myself. Mm. Who am I? You know, the belief systems that we pick up really, really get into our subconscious. And it was hard for me to even imagine that I could have a business other than the one I had, let alone like the privilege of building relationships with people for a living. That's amazing. But just one of the beliefs that I picked up when I was young was that I... I put my hand up for a left-handed ukulele and the teacher really embarrassed me in front of the class and shot me down and said, there's no such thing as a left-handed ukulele. You just need to figure it out. And I was, I would think I was embarrassed, you know, for getting in trouble. I said the way I perceived it, but also just, you know, being different and asking for what I needed. And then having that, just like, how dare you ask for what you need? Well, so I kind of, I had always wanted to play the guitar, but because of that experience, I kind of sh- just put it on the shelf and figured that's not going to be, cause I'm not ambidextrous. I can't do anything with my right hand <laughs> apparently, yeah. but, um, discovered a little while ago that they totally have left-handed guitars and left-handed, all kinds of left-handed instruments. You obviously didn't, didn't grow up with the Beatles. <laughs> Did they play left-handed Paul McCartney's left-handed. Is he? he did, so he has a left-handed. Look at all the pictures. He's the one with the guitar. The other. No, one. I never noticed that. I mean, I love the Beatles, but I'm not like a. Yeah, he's left. I did not know that. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, she should have known that then. Now I'm really mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I know, but that is terrible as a teacher. I was a teacher. So to hear you, you know, that I've had a couple of teachers traumatize yeah. me because of probably because I'm loud. I think I, I just realized recently that I have a, a triggering effect when someone says I'm a leader, like a leadership issue. Um, and I kind of dug back and thought, you know, I did have that one teacher who kind of yelled at me in front of everybody and said, stop, you can't always be in charge care. You have to let someone else be in charge and like, stop being so bossy. That I was the bossy kid too. I mean, yeah, always. I'm, I'm the oldest of four. I had to be bossy. But the other thing is like, I don't know, when's your birthday? What month? April 17th. Oh, okay. So you're a, um, I'm full on Aries. Aries and my daughter's an Aries. Um, because I'm a Virgo and I'm like, I have to be in control. And okay. so, um, uh, but one of the things in reading all that horoscope stuff, which is really kind of fun, but I kind of like it. Um, it, 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 you can turn it one way or the other, right? So you can be the bossy one or you can be the one that organizes and be, you know, yeah. Right. I so and I think that's something we learn when we, all those tests are so, you know, there's horoscopes, there's human design, there's all these different ways we can look at ourselves. And I think it's really valuable to, with a grain of salt, look at all those things because a lot of times some of our greatest strengths can become our weaknesses if they're let loose, if they're not honed and moderated. And I think I probably was really bossy and I probably was, you know, out of control, but that doesn't mean that. I don't know that you were out of control. You were probably just um, uh, speaking your mind and being curious, which I want to come to in a second, mm. because that's the thing, you know, my, one of my kids was the type A who would always um, push the teachers, um, you know, limits and ask questions. And why didn't I get an A plus? Why was it just an A? My other daughter, completely introverted. Don't ask me any questions. I want to slink back in my seat and not, you know, be noticed in the classroom because God forbid you should ask me a question totally different. So I don't know. It's just who you are. Right. And yeah, we're a lot of it is just innate. We're just different people. Exactly. Exactly. So that being said, um, I'm guessing that you are a full on curious person because quite often good networkers are curious people, yeah, right? Two, two of the top five strengths in my Clifton strengths profile are learner and input. And those are both like give me all the information, let me catalog it. And because of those, I tend to collect people apparently. Ah, okay. So um, it's interesting. I, I did this, um, I did this program once called your sacred gifts. And it was a woman here who's been doing this for years. And she's really interesting. And she says there's 24 sacred gifts. And um, did I trigger something? Oh, I can't hear you. Sorry, I'm laughing because I, I muted myself to write that down because oh. I the last couple of weeks we had our little 30 minute strategy call, you know, and yeah. you mentioned that and I wrote it down, but of course couldn't find the piece of paper. And I've been trying oh, to remember. Last time? Yes, okay. you did. And I've been trying to remember what was that assessment? I'll send it down. I'll send it to you. And it's not okay. really an assessment. It's a it's a but you can get an idea from yeah, the first part of it. Anyway, I might still have it. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Yeah. I'm um, super curious. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Okay. So tell me this, I'm going to ask you my two part curiosity question. And before we, before we end here, um, do you believe that curiosity is innate or learned? And part two is what are you most curious about these days yourself? I think curiosity is absolutely innate and that some of us probably develop it more 
throughout life. And some of us are probably maybe taught to tamp it down just a bit, depending. Mm -hmm. And I think curiosity, we're all curious about things, just maybe such different things that we don't really notice. If someone's not curious about what we're curious about, we're like, why are they not curious? Right, right, exactly. So So it can be uh, interest-based as well. Okay, and what are you most curious about today? I am still most curious today about the same thing I've been curious about my entire life, which is like, why are people the way they are? (laughs) And, and that, you know, that feeds into how, why does one person get along with one person and not with another person? And how do we interact with one another and the, you know, foundations of a relationship and how they grow and build. And just, I'm interested in people and how they relate to themselves and each other. That's great. Um, Do you, I, I see you as the kind of person that sometimes people will say to me, um, well, two things. One, that I can talk to someone for five minutes and come away and know their entire life history. And secondly, um, uh, someone will say to me, um, wow, no one's ever asked me that question before. Or, um, or, you know, I've never shared this with anyone before. So in other words, I can get to the core quite quickly with people. And I have a sense that you can too. That's funny you mentioned that because when I was going through this kind of meltdown, trying to figure out who am I, I felt like I wasn't really good at anything anymore. And and I, looking back, that might partly be because so many of my really like core strengths are softer skills. They're not execution related. You can't see something on the other end of it. But I, I asked my husband, babe, what do you think my superpower is? Yeah. And he said, oh, that's easy. You can talk to somebody for five minutes and they're telling you stuff they wouldn't even tell their therapist. Yeah. And I'm like, at the, that there again, though, that has been a liability at times yes. because people will tell me stuff I don't really want to know. And you don't and, know where to put it, right? Yeah. Well, and then, and sometimes it's fine. And I've learned to, you know, just roll with it yeah. and to be really non judgmental, I think, because when people tell you stuff about themselves your whole life, you have to just learn to just let it be. But people, some people will get a vulnerability hangover and avoid me after they've told me something very intimate. Okay. And I'm not judging, but I think that there's some shame there that maybe is misplaced. Mm. Well, then, then you would probably know how to bring them around. Yeah. Usually it's okay, but you know, certain people are more, more apt to let their shame control them than others. But yes, you're, we're probably very much alike. Yeah. I think we are in so many ways. And um, so just before we wrap up, let's get back to business for a second. And, and I, and you see how they are really so totally related. It's just crazy. Right. And core values, that's where it all comes down to. I mean, when I meet someone on LinkedIn for the first time, and even just the questions that I asked, if they answer them, don't answer them. If they ask a question, if they even care enough to ask a question, if they've read my profile, all of those things come into play for me initially until I can, you know, sort of peel back the first layer and see if they're interested in doing that. Um, but I've met some really interesting people um, just from being online, which is kind of fun. Um you have one thing I was curious about here that that you asked. Um, what are some unconventional ways to build your network on LinkedIn? What do you? Because I'm teaching people all the time, so I'm just curious what you do that works or that you show people. Um, I think that probably comes from not starting my search on LinkedIn, and I don't focus a lot on on posting and starting the conversation myself. I like to jump into other people's conversations. I like to get into the comments of posts that I find interesting and talk to people who are 
already in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be me starting the conversation. Oh, that's and then I'm, yeah. And I'm, I'm also not afraid to take it to the DMS like right yeah. away because I don't have an agenda right away. Like I don't have anything I need from you or want from you. I just want to connect and usually to tell them that I really liked what they had to say, or that I think they're really interesting or probably because I'm curious. So I guess that's where it comes from is just like a very innate curiosity about people and what they're all about and what they're doing. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because that is a strategy that I show people sometimes, but I'm more about hanging out in the mailbox in the private um, messaging. And so I will do show people a way to, you don't even have to go to the content. You can just do a strategic search to find some people in either a category or a location or whatever filters you want to use to find some prospects or some referral partners or strategic um, collaborators that you want to find on LinkedIn, and then start looking at those profiles. And from there, go in and ask to connect with them or follow them for a bit. If you prefer, I go right to connect with a message and um, try to get them into a one-on-one and, uh, and, and it works. And I have a few messages that I, that I like to ask them to see if I can get them talking about themselves. So it's kind of fun. So that works too. Um, So that sounds like it's interesting because you have a slightly different approach than I do to kind of get to the same end. I'd be curious to know what your, what your Colby MO is, because it sounds like you have some structure and some like repetitive systems that sort of work. So I didn't study my Colby that closely. So I'll have to go back and look at it and see what I'm super curious because I'm the opposite of you. I don't have a structure or a system that I can like really repeat, but which is why I start outside of LinkedIn and and just in the real world. Then I go, because it's so easy to connect directly with people. I go find them and talk to them on LinkedIn just directly. We'll have a conversation about that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Thank (laughs) you. That's awesome. Well, this has been amazing and I appreciate your time. And I love that we have so much in common in in our thinking and that we're both left-handed. It couldn't have gone. (laughs) um, Before we end, I wonder if you have any um, final words for my audience and um, where people can find you. And I will, of course, put it in the show notes as well, but um, over to you. You know, I think I would just piggyback again on what you said earlier about letting yourself come through in your marketing and your content and your, you know, interactions online. I think if you are willing to let yourself be seen, it'll be a lot more easy to, it'll be a lot easier to build your reputation and become visible and have success because people have to see you to appreciate you and want to work with you. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Where can they find you? I just like to connect on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn it is, and I have that. So I will put that uh, in the show notes. So again, thank you so much, Kara, uh, for being here and for sharing your expertise and um, personality with us. And I, I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. And to my audience, thank you so much. And we will see you on the other side. Thanks for joining us. If today's show inspired you to make a new connection, why not start with me? Head over to LinkedIn and connect with me. Be sure to let me know you are a podcast listener because I select one listener each month who connects with me on LinkedIn for a complimentary profile audit. And you know, I love to meet new people. So I hope you take me up on it. Don't forget to stay connected and be remembered.